We remain standing for the reading of the gospel from the 10th chapter of the gospel of John, beginning at the 22nd verse. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews, not an ethnic group, not a race, the religious leadership, gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish No one will snatch them out of my hand. What God has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of God's hand. God and I are one. And for this, they wanted to throw rocks at him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our children are now dismissed to go to children's church. It is such a delight to stand here and see that exodus. (laughs) You can decide the reason for my joy all by yourself. (laughs) Recently, I was asked to do a funeral for a woman who didn't have a church, didn't have a minister. The family wanted one for the service. I had to ask them to tell me about her because I didn't know her. I can't do a eulogy for somebody I didn't know. And so they told me how she grew up on a farm in eastern Jefferson County some 90 years ago when it was mostly farmland. She grew up on that farm and she loved the farm. She loved gardening, she loved the animals. And as an adult, she befriended a couple of crows. Even got to the place where they would come and eat out of her hand. She also occasionally was the substitute bus driver for the school system. And one day she took the bus home and didn't want to back it out onto the road, so she backed it down the drive. And the crows went berserk, calling and screeching. She finally had to stop and open the door to the bus and say, hey, it's me. And they calmed. And they hopped over to the door of the bus and looked in, looked around, finally hopped up into the bus, checked under the seats, looked around at everything, and finally decided all was okay. And she closed the door and backed the bus on up. When something big and unexpected and frightening pushes into your life, to what voice do you listen? A young man I dearly love 
from another town in Kentucky growing up in the church, having a good experience in the church, but says he won't go back because of a thousand voices of hate directed at people he loves. People are judged harshly by these voices and he wants nothing to do with them. It's hard to hear the whisper of God in the midst of a thousand angry religious voices. We are assaulted daily by a cacophony of voices from the robotic voices telling you that your warranty has expired to commercial voices promising that I can grow hair in bald places <laughs> and I can drive this car really fast on roads that never seem to have cars on them. Or if I just develop a six pack of abs, they're not really popular with senior adults, I need to tell you. <laughs> I have to tell you that one of my favorite tools in my house is the remote so we can record a program and then fast forward through all the carnival barkers in the world. Then there are the shrill voices of extremists calling people names, belittling their humanity inciting violence, pretending innocence, all the while spewing nonsense and hatred. And the voices of religious tyranny waving a Bible and demonizing those who are different, those who believe something other than what they believe. Quoting the Old Testament and spit spraying judgment on everyone. And those voices within us, those old voices that have been there a long time, telling us we're not good enough, telling us we're, we just don't have it, that we're not enough. How do we silence the noise so that we can hear the voice that matters? In our text, Jesus is walking in the portico of the temple and John says it's winter. It's kind of a clue that there's going to be some cold questioning. And they start out, tell us plainly who you are. We don't get to see his face. We don't get to hear the sound of his voice. We don't get to see the body language. We just have the words. I have told you. And you don't believe. If I could paraphrase that, you don't listen. Why not? I mean, they're highly educated. Why do these religious leaders seem so bent on missing the point? A little background. John calls it the festival of dedication, or we, we would call today Hanukkah. An eight-day celebration, think Derby Week with strong militant and religious overtones and no horse racing. <laughs> it commemorated a time when decades before a Syrian army officer forced a Jewish man into the temple and forced him to offer a sacrifice to Zeus. A sacrilege, as far as they're concerned, a terrible sacrilege. And a priest saw this. And in his righteous anger, he murdered the Syrian officer and the man who had been compelled to offer the sacrifice 
Then he called on people to follow him into the hills where he formed an army that then attacked the Syrians and drove them out. Their notions of Messiah draw on that event and on others. Oppressed people are angry people and they're looking for an angry leader, somebody who will kill their enemies. And it's all the better if said leader claims he is led by God. Jesus is not the voice they want to hear. And today we have a lot of voices on the religious right appealing to folks who fear losing their place in society. And they tell these folks that you should hate these groups. You should hate these races because God said so. They think they have a divine right to impose their will on the rest of us, and it is religious fascism. We do well to remember the words of Sinclair Lewis, who said, when fascism comes to America, it will come wrapped in a flag carrying a cross. The voices of misguided hatred are loud. The voice of religious nationalism is dangerous. Neither voice heals, neither voice saves. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Clearly an allusion to people. Who are the sheep? Who are these people? Who are these ones who've heard his voice? And what do they tell us about who Jesus is? Maybe if we can go back in the Gospel of John, just visit a couple of them and try to hear through their ears. We find a man by the side of the road. He hears more keenly than almost anybody because he's blind and always has been. He can distinguish the footsteps of those who who just might pass by and drop a coin in his cup. He knows the sound of feet shuffling to position themselves to kick him because they regard him as so much human garbage. He hears the voices of debate about who sinned that he was born blind. And some say he did it himself. It's his own fault. But he can't fathom that. Did he do something wrong in the womb? That makes no sense to him. And others say it was his parents, but he can't understand how the parents that he knows who cared for him, how they could possibly do anything so bad that then he has to be blind. All this religious debate did was leave him feeling lower than the dirt in which he sat. He never heard voices that spoke of redemption, only voices about sin and judgment and punishment. One day these voices in their theological debate were at it again, he's weary. You can almost hear him say, hey, I'm here, I can hear you, but they still wouldn't see him. But someone else seems to have joined this debate and they ask him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? His hearing is acute and he listens for subtle things like a sigh that maybe indicates impatience, that maybe indicates if you just stop and think for a moment, think with your heart, maybe you'd understand. And he goes on to say in a very compelling voice, this tragedy... It's not about who sinned, 
This is about the opportunity to see the very glory of God, to see the character of God, to see what God wants for us. Then he heard the man spit on the ground. He's heard people spit before, usually because they're spitting on him. And he hears the sound of hands smacking mud like children making mud pies. And then gentle hands and a gentler voice. Easy now. Easy now. You're going to feel something cool on your eyes. And then that gentle command, but a command, go now and wash, which was not something he did with regularity. Go and wash. And then splashing water on his face, the sensation of light and shapes and voices that went with the shapes. His mind is shocked. There's so much new information flooding into his brain, realizing that this is what it means to see. And for this one, this is Easter. Is this what he meant by showing what God wants? Not about judging or blaming, but touching, healing, hope, belonging. Oh, this is Easter for him. And the interrogations began right away. The religious authorities are upset because the healing took place on a Sabbath, and they have their Sabbath blue laws. And they want this man who can now see to disavow the Jesus who made it possible for him to see, and he won't do it. And he said, seems to me, as I see it, he is from God. And they kicked him out. I can't imagine he was too upset about getting kicked out. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. For what voice do we listen when we cannot see our way? Another sheep in John's gospel is a woman caught in the act of adultery. She is a dynamic, talented, amazing woman. One of the only ones in ever hist- who history could ever commit adultery all by herself. <laughs> they dragged her into the temple, into the holy place, announcing her sin. I can't imagine the shame of that. Do you see her there? Shamed to her very core. Looking down, her hair hiding her face, her knees trembling with the knowledge that they intend to kill her. And she can only listen as they angrily demand Jesus' opinion of this. But she understands. She knows from their voices that they're bent on killing her by stoning. With her head down, she can only see this small circle, and she sees a hand reach into the circle to pick up a rock near her feet. And perhaps she thought whoever picked it up would be first, and at close range. And then a voice, compelling voice, I think, demanding voice, holding up a rock. Which one of you has no sin? You? 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 
Whichever one of you has no sin, you get to go first. Then there is silence. And then the sound of stones sliding through hands onto the ground. And the shuffle of feet slowly moving away. And then that voice, woman, and maybe for the first time she looks up and is asked the question, where? Where are your accusers? There's no one, sir, she says in a whisper. But she still stands in the sacred place and he still has authority. She must certainly feel like she's still in jeopardy. And then the voice says, I do not condemn you. You go on with your life now. And don't let yourself get caught into this kind of mess again. And it's Easter for her. What voice do we long to hear when we need mercy, when we need understanding, when we need forgiveness, when we need possibility? What voice do we need to hear to silence the angry, harsh voices of judgment. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He told them that his deeds testified to who he was and his deeds are Easter deeds, bringing new life. He would not be the murderous Messiah they wanted He would not judge. He would look with mercy and kindness on the broken, maybe especially on the broken. And this is the voice to hear, the voice of kindness, of mercy, of hope, the Easter voice. Years ago, one of my hospice patients lived adjacent to Iroquois Park. She told me one day that she found an injured raccoon in her backyard. So she took the raccoon in and she nursed it back to health and cared for it. And one day the raccoon just got up and waddled back to the park. A few days later, there was another injured animal in her backyard. Same thing, she nursed it back to health, took care of it, and it wandered back to the park. And pretty soon animals were coming and going with regularity back and forth to the park, coming to her to be cared for and healed. I don't speak raccoon, (laughs) but apparently the animals at Iroquois do because they responded to the voice that promised protection and healing. An Easter voice. I know I've told this here before, but it really says everything I really want to say today. My friend who suffered from schizophrenia, who heard voices so confusing, it just broke him. And I asked him once, what helped the most? And he said, I had to learn to listen to my wife's voice. I had to hear the voice of the one who loved me. 
Listen for the voice that loves you. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They follow me to that place by the side of the road where people are left behind, to those places where people are condemned and judged, to those places where they're refugees, to those places where the angry religious voices of our day prey upon anyone and everyone who is different. The passage asks us two questions. To what voice do we listen? And what voice will we become? Amen.